is good to be back with you guys, everybody. Uh, I am so excited about this morning. I'm just excited to be back with you in worship and just coming together as believers. Uh, last couple of weeks, my family and I had a chance to get away, uh, to have a little bit of family time and just kind of unplug. Somebody asked me if I had a chance to like brainstorm and like think of big picture stuff. I didn't do anything, everybody. All right. I did not. I don't know if that was something I should have done, but I did not. I completely unplugged uh, and did nothing for it. Some of you are like, you didn't even know I was gone. Come on, somebody. You just enjoyed. And honestly, I think it's because you had such an incredible two services these last two times. These two messages, weren't they incredible? The messages the last two weeks on the blood of Christ. And then last week uh, on getting our heart right and bitterness and selfishness, working those things out through Jesus. And so it was just an incredible time. And some people are almost, I just say this every time. It's a little funny to me when I come back, people are almost afraid to be like, we really enjoyed the messages while you were gone. Like they just don't want to say that. They're like, it was good. You know, we just, we like you though. We, you know, it's great. Listen to me. My dream is that you're like, I hope Ben goes on vacation soon. Cause the mess just comes so incredible. That is my dream for life. I'm not joking with you. I hope you enjoy when I am gone. Cause I promise you it elevates each time. It's incredible, incredible. The amount that's poured into you guys. It's just my hope and prayer for us as a church. I hope you're like, when's your next vacation, Ben? Come on. That's my dream, everybody. And so just enjoyed that so much. And the team here too, as well. Did an incredible job uh, taking care of the campus, both up here at the church and back at the school. Uh, I told them, right, don't call me unless the building's on fire. And even then, don't call me because I can't do anything for you, right? It's just, what am I going to do? Okay, you know, call the fire department. But uh, but it's just incredible job. Um, they just did a great thing. Probably better without me peeking in on them everywhere. So it was uh, it was a great and terrible two weeks. And I enjoyed them as well. Um, it was just a great way to get away uh, and relax. But I am excited also uh, to be back with you. You. And I just already during worship uh, realized how much I miss just us together as a church family. Um, just a chance. Didn't the worship team do an incredible job this morning? Yeah, just awesome. Man. And so it's just an awesome time this morning. Now, a couple of things did happen while I was gone. Um, a couple of things. We'll come to those a little later. But one of them that I wanted to talk about this morning, uh, we had two prayer warriors, two older ladies in the church go on to their reward uh, during these last. The first one was Ruth Newcomer at the end of February, uh, passed away on the last day of the month. And so we, we had the funeral for that already. Uh, but then this last, just a great missional heart, by the way, incredible heart for mission, incredible heart to mentor others underneath her, to continue to her legacy and what God has been doing uh, through her. And so she stepped into her reward. And the other one is this last Tuesday, Miss Linda Caldwell uh, in the morning went to be with the Lord. And the funeral for her is on Saturday at Green Oaks at two. But I was thinking about that when I got the news about Miss Linda. Um, and it was interesting to me uh, that these two ladies passed away within uh, about 10 days of each other. That it was just it was just this interesting thought in my mind, uh, because these were the two ladies that spent the night with us uh, up in Kid Zone the night of the flood in 2016. Uh, Linda and Ruth, both of them came here to the church. My family and I we were all upstairs uh, trying to get away from the waters that night. So we spent the night there uh, with the floodwaters rising and Linda and Ruth were up there with us. And so I was looking back through my phone at um, at some pictures I had. And I actually had the picture of my son, Elijah, who I talked about with the brackets myself, uh, Linda and Ruth all were boated out in the same boat. And so we could put that picture up there, um, up to the boat launch at Sonny's barbecue. Come on somebody. And that was, 
If you wonder why Sonny's has a special place in my heart, if you've ever eaten with me there, this is why, everybody. This is part of the reason why. And so uh, we actually got boated out. So that's uh, Linda there in the front and then Ruth with the life jacket on. Uh, And so we went from this auditorium right here at the back. We loaded in a boat uh, and we went all the way up Flannery in a boat to Sonny's Barbecue, uh, the four of us, just having a great time. Come on, somebody. It was a great great enjoy a three-hour cruise it was amazing we we had a great time together but I was I was just thinking back there was just this amazing memory in my mind what a legacy man what a what a reward that they stepped into when they stepped out of this life and I was thinking about Miss Linda's life and, and just my interactions with her. Uh, I just had, honestly, it's been a long, long interaction. I've known her probably my entire life almost. And she, about 15 years ago, was my first time that I really got to interact with her um, here at the church. And so if you knew Miss Linda, she had, she had some rough edges. She could be really direct and really rough in some ways. And so that was my image of her growing up. That it was just like, okay, just a little bit. And so one day at church, we were raising money for a mission trip or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, it's been about 15 or 20 years now. And we were raising something. And back then we had pews, right? So there were pews kind of circling the auditorium. And I remember after service, I was over here on this wall uh, behind the pew. And Linda caught me. It was like this. She just grabbed me by the arm. And I was like, oh, Lord, help me. You know, take me down. And, and she caught me. And she, she was whispering really. And I was trying to hear what she was saying. And she said, I want to give $700 to that mission trip. And I remember it just, it changed in just a moment. Like it changed my perspective of who it was I was talking to. She was like, I want to give, I want to do it. And then she looked at me and she was like, and don't you go saying it on Sunday or I'll get you. (laughs) And so I waited 15 years, everybody. So if you, (laughs) if you need to know, if you need to know how long I can keep a secret, it's 15 years. That's how long I can. If you just need, some of you are like keeping track. You're like, I told him something three years ago. I don't know. <laughs> it's just an incredible thing. And so the second, second time I was surprised by Ms. Linda, I was thinking about this. Second time was when one time we were talking about bass playing or something. We needed something for the worship team or during this about, about eight, nine years ago. And somebody's like, you know, Ms. Linda Caldwell plays a mean bass. And I was like, bass guitar? And she, yeah, she plays a me rocking out. So I went to Miss Linda's house. I went myself to ask her how well she, if she would come play on the words. And she looked at me and she said, us old people not getting up there to play bass. Listen to me right now. All right. And I was like, but did you play bass? She's like, yeah, I played bass. I played a little bit of bass. And my, my, honestly, what I thought, I think she played rock bass and she didn't want to blow us out of the building. I'm pretty sure. That is why I'm pretty, I'm just, that's just my own conjecture, all right? She would never do that. And then the third time was a few years ago. It's about three or four years ago now. Uh, she texted me about uh, an idea she had for the prayer chain. And she wanted to meet with me about the prayer chain. And I thought, well, okay, let's meet about the prayer chain. And usually when people text me about ideas or they call me, they want to meet about ideas, I go in kind of hesitant because usually it's like, Ben, I got an idea for what you can do. It's going to be amazing. And so I went into this. We met up in the fellowship hall up here. Uh, and I just, I sat down with her said, what's on your mind? First things out of her mouth. She was like, us old people don't want to be calling people all the time. It takes too long to call. I think we need a digital prayer chain. Come on, somebody. And I was just, I, I was I kind of like just, wild. I was like, what is, what is it? She's like, yeah, we don't want to waste all the time we could be praying. I think we need to text people when there's a prayer. We need to be able to text them quick and then go back to praying. And so if you want to know why we have a digital prayer chain, why there is a text going on, it's not because of me, not some teenager, not nothing. It's because of 81-year-old Linda Caldwell is the reason that we 
We text out those things. And so whether you knew it or not, she prayed for you. Whether you thought about it, if you put a prayer request in on the prayer chain, if you put one in on a Sunday morning, she prayed for you. If you came to church here, she prayed for you. Every single one of you, she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. What a legacy of prayer. What an incredible lady. She didn't care about what the technology was. She didn't care about what she had to do to get the prayer. She just wanted to pray and to seek the heart of God. And so when I got the news on Tuesday about Ms. Lynn, I was thinking back through it. I actually went back in my text to look at that moment when we talked about the prayer chain. And I found a text last night that honestly made me laugh for about two or three minutes just by myself, just laughing out loud. And it said, Ben, don't you tell anyone that I came up with the, t- the prayer chain. <laughs> Just tell them that somebody on the prayer chain came up with it. So listen to me, everybody. Somebody on the prayer chain came up with it. It was their idea. I don't know who it was. I think you might know them. I don't know. <laughs> but I started thinking about this. I, I Honestly, this week, um, I had an idea for this Sunday. And then I just started on Tuesday. I just kind of took a left turn. I started thinking about that moment when she stepped from this life to the next. Because honestly, near the end here, Linda and I had a, a more special and kind of more uh, intimate relationship talking about things that we hadn't talked about before, uh, about pains in our life, about relationships, about different things. I had an opportunity to ask her a lot of things and to learn a lot of things. There's a lot of wisdom that I was able to learn from her, a lot of things that she had gone through, a lot of things that she knew about prayer and about seeking the heart of God. And I started to think about that moment. When she stepped from this life, because the Bible talks about to be absent from the bodies, to be in the presence of Jesus. It's that moment when she stepped into her reward. And so I've told you guys, these standalone messages throughout the year, they're going to be what we call your You Asked For It series, where you guys wrote questions last year. But far and away, a question we get every single year are questions about heaven and eternity. And that's where my mind was this week. Because isn't it true when someone we love passes away? Or you're at a funeral service or you're in those moments. Isn't it true? That's when our minds turn toward thoughts of eternity. About what happens when we die. About what it means to step into the presence of Jesus. About what that looks like. And so today is just a reminder that this life is not about this life. That we may think about it with its trials and its troubles and all of its problems and all of its things that we need to pour all of our time into. And we may get distracted by that. But I think we need these reminders kind of waypost along the way. Little signs along the way, little reminders that this life is not about this life. That the life that we're living is actually about eternity. And I think it's so easy for us in American culture, and honestly, I think sometimes it's celebrated to have a self-focused or a self-interest in our lives. But we can realize very clearly when we read our Bibles that that's not what the gospel is all about. But it's so easy for us in our culture to be selfish and to be self-focused. And maybe it's a little bit encouraged in our lives growing up to have this self-focused or this idea. And it's not what the gospel is about. And the problem is, and it's crept into our church and it's crept into our country. But the problem is, it's not new. This isn't like this new problem that we have to deal with as a generation. This has been going on all the way since the Bible was being written, everybody. In fact, Paul in Philippians, he's writing to the church in Philippi. And it's not a new problem when he's writing this. This idea of being self-focused, this idea of having all of our focus on this earth, on seeing, trying to make earth work out all of our problems. And so Paul is writing to the church in Philippians and he's saying, as I've told you before, so he's had to address this. And now I tell you even again, and this time with tears. So Paul is actually heartbroken over this. He says, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now he's not talking about the world in this passage. He's talking about Christians or people who call themselves Christians. 
But he's saying, I'm telling you again and again, and this time I'm so heartbroken with tears in my eyes. I'm telling you that their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. And their mind is set on earthly things. So he's warning the church in Philippi. And I tell you, this isn't a new problem, all right? So this is not like I came up with something this week that I want to warn you about. This is something that the church has had to deal with since the Bible was written. And he says, somewhere along this Christian journey, and honestly, this is the danger for a lot of us, somewhere along, one of the tragedies, I think, in the church is somewhere along the way, the devil starts to work on us. And you would say, well, the longer I walk with Christ, the, the less my attachment to the earth would be. But so often that is not the case. So often, the longer and longer we live, the more roots we put down, the more attached to this rock that we're living on, we tend to become. And while he's warning the church in Philippians, he said, there are those who their God is their stomach, their desires, their things that they want, their, their fleshly, whatever it is, he says, and they are headed for destruction. And they have met their mind on earthly things. And honestly, the devil starts to work on us to try to get us distracted from the things of God, from eternity. He gets us to put, not to throw God and everything out. Most believers would never do that. That's not, a, not what the tactic here is. But honestly, what's so tragic is all of us are prone to this idea. Or all of us are, have this tendency towards trying to make life all about us. Life all about things on earth. Life all about what we can see around us. And it is a fallacy that has put us on a path to destruction. We have let ourselves turn and we put all of our stock in earth and it has made us completely ineffective for the kingdom of heaven. And so when I'm thinking about this this week, about what it looks like and the reward that they stepped into, Paul reminds us in verse 20 what it means for the kingdom of heaven and for eternity. Watch this in verse 20. He says, but our citizenship, he's, he's dividing line. You see this here. He says, those are those who have their minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice with me, he says our citizenship is in heaven, right? Not will be, not our citizenship one day might be our citizenship. Like you don't get to heaven and like turn in your passport at heaven, immigration and customs. You understand that, right? Like that's not, that's not how this thing happens. He's not like, okay, when you finally one day, when we all get one day, then you'll suddenly be a citizen of heaven. You can kind of leave that. No, he says right now we are citizens of somewhere else and we need to live like it. He says we are citizens of heaven. Now, Philippi had a unique aspect to their culture. We talked about this late last year. They had a unique aspect. And so I'm going to give you just a couple of bullet points from their culture and from the way that they lived in Philippi. That was a little bit different than the other churches that Paul would write to. And you just let me know if any of this sounds familiar. All right, everybody. They were Roman citizens. In Philippi, they were Roman citizens. It's a major city in a Roman province. And so as citizens as of Rome, there were different uh, attributes or there were different uh, privileges that came along with this. Different from the other churches that Paul would write to. There's prosperity and freedoms that they hold dear. Rights that they had. That they felt defined who they were. Protection. They inscribed it on their pillars. They wrapped themselves in their freedoms. It was prosperity. And so Paul writes to them. Able to do so. Because he has it too. And he says forget all of that. He says forget all of those things. I know how much you value it. I know how much it means to you. I know what all those things. I understand it. Paul says intimately I understand how you value it. But Paul says forget. Don't get stuck on the here and now. Don't forget that you are citizens of heaven. And you should live like it. And he says and we should be eagerly awaiting our savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me church. Never forfeit heaven for Rome. Never forfeit your citizenship in heaven for Rome. And the things that you feel define you. And the things of this life that are so temporary. We need to have a different perspective. 
that we are citizens. We need to live with this anticipation that Jesus is returning. It's an important shift in our perspective. I wouldn't just pass over this just because maybe you've heard the verse before. It is a shift in the way that we view the world, and it's a shift in the way that we live our lives. If we have this perspective that we're a citizen, and honestly, so many of us, unfortunately, though, live focused on temporary things. On earthly things, trying to make earth work all out of our problems. And I'm not preaching to you guys, I'm preaching to myself. I think sometimes we get so focused on the earthly that we are of no good to the eternal. That we have forfeited our citizenship in heaven for Rome and what we think defines us. And yet there's so much pull for us to make earth our home. To stay focused on earth, to try and make earth work out perfectly. I think honestly, even as Christian, it's because we have some really bad information about what heaven is like. And so most of us don't even know what the Bible talks about when it says heaven. And so if we're honest with ourselves, and I won't make you raise your hands, we'd like to prolong this life just as much as we possibly can. Because it's this, this, this idea that's kind of floating in the back, and that's great for later, but I'm going to make this life last as long as I possibly can, because I just don't know. Because we think in heaven, everybody's going to be like a fat naked baby floating on a cloud. Come on, somebody. Playing harps for all of an eternal church service. That is hell, everybody. All right, listen to me. <laughs> Like, that sounds horrible to me. That is not, not what I want to spend eternity doing. Listen, heaven is a lot better than a whole lot of us know about. It's a place that we will want to be. We will want to spend eternity together. The Bible's pretty clear about what heaven is like. And I promise it's going to be better than a whole lot of us realize. In fact, Revelation 21, verse 1, it says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Because the first heaven and the first earth actually pass away. Listen to me, everybody. This rock is not going to be here for much longer. All right? You understand that. Like this thing's not going to last. And so there'll be a new heaven and new earth. A lot different than we realize because heaven will be something we want to be a part of. If I can give you a couple of things to jot down if you're taking notes today. Come on, I'm back everybody. Get your Bible out, something to take some notes with. Just to shift our perspective a little bit about eternity and our citizenship in heaven. About what our lives should look like and what it will look like for eternity. If you're taking notes, jot this down. The first one is heaven, first of all, is a real place. I think we need to kind of get that groundwork baseline just out of the way. This is a real, it's not somewhere we'll just kind of like intellectually think about or we'll just kind of float off and just whatever in the, the, you know, by and by. This is a real physical place, a city the Bible talks about that God is constructing. It's actually a real physical revelation 21 verse 16. John has a vision of what the city will look like. And you can read the verses before and after this one where he starts to talk about the actual dimensions of the city, the gates and the walls and the roads of the new Jerusalem. That he starts to talk about how, how wide a thing is, 1,400 miles by 1,400. It's a cube completely constructed. He begins to give all of these descriptions. That now, we don't know why heaven needs some of these things. We don't know why it needs a gate made out of pearls. We don't know why, like, the streets need to be made out of gold. We don't know why it needs walls and gates to begin with. Like, is heaven in a bad part of town or something? I don't know. We don't understand those. We don't know. And the Bible doesn't say that we need to know all of those things. We just have to understand that God is preparing this place for us. It'll be a city that we, you and I will be able to visit. Second thing I want you to see, jot it down if you're taking notes. Heaven's not only a place that's real, it's also a place that's perfect. It's a perfect place. Revelation 21 verse 4, it says he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Because the old order of the world has passed away. The old order of how things work. And so this life that we understand it with all of its problems and its setbacks... With all of its pain, with all of its struggles, all of that will be done away with. Heaven is a perfect place. And honestly, I, this is one of the ones that I think we need to get inside of us as citizens of heaven. Not focusing on where we are, but where we're going to. That it would give us a renewed sense. We're going to talk about that in this message. So no more death. 
We'll be reunited with our loved ones and we'll get along. Come on, somebody. It'll be the first time for some of you. We'll all get along. It's an amazing, perfect place. The Bible says a place of no sickness, no separation. It's going to be a place you and I want to live. The Bible goes on to say we'll have these glorified bodies that will be recognizable, but they'll be different. They'll be changed. It would be perfect. And so that instead of having this physical body that's decaying and working away, that eternal body that will last forever. And it will have all of its problems fixed, which I am super excited for so many of us. If you have ever experienced lower back pain, you know what I'm talking about. Like you understand. You never meet anybody who says, I used to have back pain. You understand that, right? Like it's just, like you say, but in heaven, I'll be able to say that. It's going to be an amazing, amazing thing. It's going to be a perfect place. Come on, the Krispy Kreme light will be on 24-7. Come on, somebody. It's going to be, <laughs> that's in the message version. I don't know if you know that's in the message translation. It'll be a perfect place. So no cats, everybody. No cats in your... <laughs> I have given up on that, all right? You can have your cats in heaven. I don't care, everybody. There'll be cats and dogs. It'll be amazing, amazing, pretty popular. Except for one dog that used to bark outside our dorm my freshman year in college. 2 a.m. on finals week used to bark. If faith and prayer works at all, I have joined my faith with heaven and sent that dog to hell. Come on, somebody. I have. That's one that won't be there. He won't be. (laughs) Where was I? Prayer. Heaven is a perfect place. It's a perfect place. It's a place we want to live for all eternity, worshiping and being in love with Jesus. It's a place that we are looking forward. The last thing that really impacts this life, heaven's not only a real place, not only a perfect place, it's a rewarding place. This is an idea that maybe we get mixed up in Christianity too often, but there are rewards for the things that we do for the kingdom of God. This is not your salvation, everybody. That's a whole separate issue. This is just rewards for the things that we have done for the kingdom of God. And that is what heaven is. It's a rewarding place. And I love the writings of the Apostle Paul because he was a competitive athlete. He loved sports. His, his uh, you know, housekeeping things were about sports too. All right, everybody? I just have to believe that in my own heart. But he would write constantly about sports and athletics and competitions. And his constant metaphor he would go to is, if this life is a race, then you better run to win. If you're going to run this race, you better run to win because there is a reward. And not a participation trophy. You understand? That's what your salvation is, everybody. That's what I'm just equating it. No, this is not you just were born and suddenly you get this. No, this is rewards for the things we have given up and sacrificed for the kingdom of heaven. And that is what heaven is. It's a rewarding place. Revelation talks about this. Verse 12 of chapter 22. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. And my reward is with me. I love this verse. He's coming. And not only is he coming and so excited. He's so excited to give the reward. He's just bringing it with him. Come on somebody. He's just like. I just can't even wait. to. I'm bringing all the trophies with me on the horse. It's just coming with me. Heaven is a rewarding place. That all the things that we have done in this life. Give everyone according. Watch this. I'm give everyone according to what they have done. According to the life that they live. The things that we've done will be rewarded in that moment. And above even that. We'll hear our Savior say, good job. Well done. You did a good job while you were here. You did a great job for my kingdom. I know the sacrifice. I know the pain and I know the things you gave. Good job. Above all of that, heaven is a place where we'll hear our Savior say, well done. And now for all eternity, you enjoy the rewards for the sacrifices and the things for the kingdom. Heaven is a rewarding place. And we have just a few moments in this life. Because listen to me, it's not about this earth, everybody. It's about eternity. And we have just a few moments, this vapor of life on this earth, to honestly to affect the rest of eternity. And we have these moments. If we really live with that reality, I think it would radically shift the way that we're living day to day on earth. Titus says this in chapter 2. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And now watch this. We are instructed to turn from godless living 
and sinful pleasures. Don't focus on the world. Focus on your own pleasures, on your own selfish desires. He says, turn from those. That word sinful there means to miss the mark. And so for some of us there, it's not even evil that we're involved in, but the Bible would classify it as sinful just because it's the wrong focus. That we're spending all of our time and our energy on the wrong things, and so we're getting distracted from living for actual eternity. That we spend all of our efforts in the wrong way. We live with this anticipation, he says, though. In this evil world, we live with wisdom and righteous and devotion to God. And watch this. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. We look forward with those idea, this anticipation. Instead of focusing on the earth, that's not going to last anyways. Let's focus on what Jesus actually said, that he is coming again. So how do we do that? How do we put our efforts toward the right things? What changes would we need to make? I always try to have the practical, that we can change this week. Things that we can do in order to live with a mindset towards eternity. That we wouldn't be so focused on this earth that we would make no eternal difference. Let me give you a couple of keys I think you can put in place that help us to shift our hearts. Number one, jot it down if you're taking notes. First thing we would do is we would refocus our energy. We would just, this week, and I don't know what that looks like for you, wherever you have focused it, that you would reevaluate, does this have an eternal impact? We would refocus our energy and on the things that we put our efforts towards. That we would begin to leverage everything that we have in this life to make an eternal difference. And you can start small. I'm not saying by next Sunday, I hope you come up here and tell me everything changes. But we can start now refocusing. Say, I know I'm giving my energy to this. and I know I've given all of my efforts to this. And I know I'm wasting my talents and my skills doing this. But I'm going to start to refocus to make an eternal difference. And that looks different in every area and arena of life. You can do that at every post that God has called you to. I'm not saying go home and quit your job and complete. I'm saying find where God has placed you and let's refocus our energy to make an eternal impact. That we are called as the church to get our eyes off of this earth and to get our eyes on eternity, on his kingdom. And listen to me, we begin to leverage everything that we have. Now, I'm not saying like it's okay to be a normal human. You understand that, right? Like I'm not just having this lofty idea. It's okay to be a normal. It's okay to have things. It's okay to live in this life. But I'm saying let's leverage everything we have for the kingdom. It's okay to be a normal person, but the things that we own are not the goal. The stuff that we have doesn't have us. That's not the goal of this life. But that we would leverage everything to reach others for the kingdom. One of the most misunderstood, I think, pitfalls of kingdom living is this idea that you have to have a bunch of money to be controlled by it. Now, Jesus said the love of money is the root of all evil. You don't have to have money to be in love with it. You understand that, right? Like I met a lot of poor people who are just as enslaved as some rich people to the idea of money. Always working for the next dollar, always enslaved by it. You don't have to have a bunch of money to have it ruin your life. But too oftentimes we think it's a number in our bank account. Until we reach that, it could never affect us. No, no, that's just a trick of the devil to get you distracted. It doesn't have to be a certain number. It's a condition of the heart. It's not about a number in your bank account. It's about a condition of your heart. And so the Bible talks about this, that the love of money is the fruit. And on the flip side of that, I would wager that a whole lot more of us than we are comfortable with are a whole lot richer than the rich young ruler ever dreamed of being. But we think it's a number that we have to reach or a mystical dollar amount. God wants me to have the little 32-inch TV instead of the 75-inch TV, and then I'll be holy. But you waste the same amount of time staring at the little TV that you would at the big one. I'm just going to step on every doll. Three of us are excited about that today. We waste the same amount of time thinking, I'm holy now because I did this and that. And God is saying, it's a condition of your heart. We got to get the heart right, everybody. We got to get the heart right in the same thing. I'm not saying don't ever buy another thing. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that in the least. I am saying, get your heart right. 
Begin to think, am I leveraging every, listen to me, but buy the 80-inch TV, invite all your neighbors over for March Madness and Monday Night Football, and get them all saved. Come on, somebody, we're just going to have a... <laughs> a couple of light bulbs just went on. A couple of guys were like, it's for Jesus. I can <laughs> Just trying to help you out today. <laughs> Reality is too many of us, even as Christians, are allowing our stomach to be our God. We're allowing this earth to be our home, and I'm just telling you, man, if you do that, earth is going to burn you. It is going to bite you bad. Because we have set our eyes and our hearts on things that don't even last. It's a condition of our heart. Because Jesus promised in this world, you're going to have a whole boatload of trouble. So it happens to so many of us. We put our stock in earth. We put all of our eggs in the basket. And we think, if earth could just fix all of my problems. We try to make heaven here right now. And we say, if we just want to have the right relationships. And we want to have the perfect this and that. And we want to achieve this and that. And then if it doesn't work out right, we get really, really depressed and frustrated and aggravated. And the devil knew that. That's why he comes to attack, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Because we're making earth our home. And the way that we survive that is we remember this life is not about this life. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, watch, he said, Therefore, we don't lose heart. He's talking about this idea. He says, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Come on, somebody, say amen. We, our bodies are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. One translates our light and momentary afflictions. And if you read Paul's life, you would ask, light and momentary don't describe anything. Like, if you read the Apostle Paul's life, his troubles are heavy and they lasted his entire life. Like, how can he write light and momentary? And then it's almost like, you're making fun of us, Paul, because ours are not light. How can you make this idea that it is light and momentary because it feels heavy and it feels like forever? Watch this. And the reason he can say this, it's a relative statement. Watch what he says in this sentence. He says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal Glory that far outweighs them all. Why can Paul say they're light and momentary? Because of what's on the other side of the scale. He says, the reason I can say, I know it feels like forever, and I know it feels like more pain than you can endure, but he says it's light and momentary because of the eternal glory and weight that is on the other side of this scale that makes it light and momentary. That he says the light and momentary afflictions are far outweighed by the eternal glory. Far outweighed by the eternal glory. Watch this. So we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen. Not on these things around us that we think are so important. Not on these things that we have put all of our hope and all of our trust. And put down roots and sow it that We don't put our eyes or our, fix our eyes on that. But on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. It's momentary. It's temporary. If you're taking notes, underline that word temporary in your Bible. I want you to understand this. This idea that it's temporary, the anxiety and the distrust and the strife is temporary. The bank runs and the financial upheaval, it's temporary. The drama and the political theater, it's temporary. The pain that you experience in your life, it's temporary. The pain in your heart is temporary. The issues that separated you, even maybe a loved one who passed on before their time. If we could see it in light of eternity, it's just a few moments that we are apart. It's just a few moments because what we see in this life is a vapor, but what is unseen is eternal. It's what makes all of the difference. And so we have to keep our focus on the reality because the truth is the devil keeps coming to attack and paralyze our lives. We cannot focus on where we are, everybody. We have to focus on where we're going, on eternity. When we all get to heaven, what a great day that will be. When we all, and so we have to keep our focus 
We'll stop focusing on earth and focus on eternity. He'll give us a better perspective. We'll change the way we live our lives. We would refocus our energy and our efforts. And you say, well, what would we refocus them on? It'd be on the only thing that actually lasts past this life, and that would be people. If we're going to refocus our energy and refocus our mission, if we're going to get our eyes off of this earth, if we're going to, get, we're going to focus on the only thing that would last into eternity, and that's we're going to reach people. That's why we have refocused our church and we have realigned our lives. That's why we are here as a people. We are going to reach people. Because people are the only thing that will last past this life. It's why we're doing everything we can to reach God's lost children. Because we understand that heaven and hell are a reality. And there are thousands and thousands of our co-workers and neighbors and family and friends who are headed for a Christless eternity. And that's not the end that Jesus came for. That he came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come to condemn people. He didn't come to make people guilty. He came to set them free. To get our eyes off of this earth and to realize that souls for eternity is why we are here. That we are called to make a difference for the kingdom. That's what our message has to be. And I don't care if it's all five of us who are excited about that. All right, everybody. We have to have a mission for the kingdom of God. For eternity. Jesus came to seek and to save what is lost. That's why we've determined... As one body that we are going to reach. That we have organized ourselves. That's why our Sundays are not about us. You understand that? It's why our mission and our missions are not about us. It's why our reputation is not about us. It's why the things that we do. It's why we're willing to be humble. It's why we as a church. It's why we as a body. It's why we as the body of Christ. It's why we are willing to be humble. To serve others as greater than ourselves. Willing to turn the other cheek. Willing to be taken advantage of. Willing to be stars that shine in a crooked generation. That we are willing to go the extra mile. Willing to love others. Because we know that every interaction is a person. And people are what matter to God. That is our calling. And so we as a church. It's the only thing that will really last. And so we have made it our mission. If we're going to refocus our efforts and our energy. It's going to make an impact for eternity. To make a difference. Revelation 22, it's the last chapter of our Bibles. And one of the very last thoughts really is the heart of God. And it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. This is the heart. At the very end of your Bible, it says, this is the heart of God. The spirit and the bride say, come. This is God's invitation. That anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, let him come. The one who wishes to take the free gift, watch it, the free gift of the water of life. The reality is, if you are new to victory, you are welcome here. Listen to me, nobody here is perfect. We just got here maybe a little earlier than you did. God is ministering to every single one of us. All of us are in a spiritual hospital and Jesus is ministering to each one of us at the same time. If you are new, I would invite you to come and see that salvation is for you. If you feel different, just come. If you feel broken, come. If you feel ostracized, come. Listen to me. Salvation is also for you. And I think too often times we focus our eyes on our own selfish things and we put up walls to the rest of the world. We got ours and so we're no longer willing to share the life and the love that we have received. And we put up walls that keep others out and we shut the door of heaven in their faces. Let that never be said of us, church. So listen to me. I don't care how messed up you think you are. Come. I don't care if you believe everything yet. Just come. I don't care how broken you are. Just come. It says, and see that the water of life, see salvation is for you, that it's free. See, it's not over just because you made some mistakes. See that the love of God goes further than you could possibly imagine. Just come. 
This is the spirit and the bride. This is God's heart. This is his invitation. Just come. Wherever you find, if you have questions about eternity, just come. Find that at the foot of the cross, salvation is free. Listen to me. He still saves the broken. He still heals. He still touches. He still restores. He still saves. Not because you are good, but because he is good. Because his love is more than you could possibly imagine. Final point today. I want to start with a verse in Second Peter. Chapter 3 he says, but in keeping with his promise. Watch this. In keeping with his promise. Why do we set our eyes on eternity? We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. We talked about that. Where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with God. So we're looking forward to this, he says. Now make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with God. The Bible says, hey, if you're going to live life that's focused on eternity, we should do is we should live a pure life at peace with God. Spotless from guilt and shame to have peace with him. And I want everybody in this room and online and watching today, I want you to hear me when I say you cannot do that on your own. You cannot do that alone. It's not possible for you to clean yourself up, to fix your mistakes. It's not possible for you to wipe yourself off. It's not possible for you to cleanse your own heart. It's not possible for you to do this on your own. It's not possible for you to make peace with God alone. That's why Jesus had to come 2,000 years ago. That he stepped down to this earth, that he didn't send some emissary, that he didn't do. He came himself, that Jesus himself walked this earth, that he died on a cross and that he rose again to build that bridge back. That we would be offered salvation. It says that he broke down the dividing wall of hostility between God and man to what? To create peace. If you want to live at peace with God, you cannot do it on your own. Kirby talked about this last week, that we cannot clean ourselves up. Under your own power, you cannot make, I don't care how hard you work, I don't know how, how great you look to your friends and co-workers, I don't care how holy you think you are, you cannot do it on your own. And the beauty of God's word, the beauty of the promise, the beauty of eternity and what Jesus did for us is that we don't have to. That we never have to. That the blood of Jesus washes us clean. The Bible says that God is at work inside of us. To spur us on. To give us the desire to do his work and the power inside of us to do what pleases him. And that's our power inside of us. All we have to do, number three, as we close today, is run to Jesus. If we're going to refocus our lives, if we're going to focus on eternity, if we're going to actually reach people, if we're going to experience what is peace with God, what it actually is, we're going to have to get so close to Jesus to open our lives to him. That 2,000 years ago on a cross. That he said it's finished. Tearing down the wall of hostility. Creating peace with God. And then three days later he didn't stay dead. He rose again. That anyone. That anyone. Could hear the cry of the bride. And the groom saying come. That we are God's ambassadors in this world. Telling everyone that we can meet. Come. Not because we are so great, not because we have done something, but because we are now the ambassadors of such a great and incredible gospel that says, come. And the Spirit says, come. 
And this whole week, I've been thinking every morning when I woke up, I've been thinking about this. This idea that they went into their reward, that they entered. But the reason that they stepped into that, the reason of that, it's not because they had such great things here on earth. Not because they put so much stock and so much effort and all these things trying to amass such a great fortune. It doesn't go with you anyways. But then we refocus our lives. Refocus our energy. We begin to reach people. To see them as the ultimate value. To see what we're beginning to pour our lives into. And we cannot do it on our own. If we want to live this life focused on eternity. We have to get close to Jesus. Let's pray together. Bow your heads with me. I want to speak for just a moment before we end in prayer. I want to speak to those of you. Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're listening later to a podcast. Whatever it is. I want to speak to you. I want to help you. If you have questions or you have things, you're wondering about eternity, you're wondering about whatever it is, you have this question because you asked for it, you have those questions you wrote down, whatever it is, I want to help you settle this. Listen to me, there is no reason you should move past this message without knowing where you will spend eternity. And right now, in this moment, you can make that decision. And maybe you haven't figured it all out yet. Maybe you have questions about that. You know why you have questions? The Bible says that God has put eternity into the heart of every man that we would seek him. You know, the reason he did that, the reason he put eternity into our hearts is that we would find him when we seek him. That we would ask questions about what it all means and what it all looks like and what that next thing after this life looks like. We put that in us, that desire to know so that we would look for him. And listen to me, in this moment you have an opportunity to know for sure where you will spend eternity. And I don't care if you don't understand it all yet. I don't care if you have questions or you have things. I'm telling you right now, God's invitation is for you. He has an open hand for you. Don't let this moment go past you without making a decision. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not saying I'm going to meet with you in a room. Right now, you can make a decision to follow Christ. Right now, you can know where you will spend eternity and don't let this pass you by. I'm not in this to manipulate your emotions. I'm not looking to scare you into anything. But listen to me. You don't know how many chances you have. But I promise you right now, God's hand is open to you. That right now you have a chance to say, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. To say, yeah, I believe that he died and that he rose again. I believe that God loves me and I want to follow him with my life. And so right now, I would be my honor to pray with you. As a church, there is nothing more important we do than lead people to Jesus. Nothing more important in our lives than introducing people to Jesus. And so in this moment, if you say, that's me. I'm not going to make you stand or come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you. I want to introduce you to the God who can save. And so here's how it begins. It begins with a prayer of surrender. A statement of faith. That's what this prayer is. Surrendering your life. It's stating your faith and your belief. It's repentance. All these things, it's as simple a prayer as you could possibly imagine. But I promise you, it is repentance and it is your faith being declared with your mouth and believed with your heart. 
And then we begin to live this life following him. So right now, if you say that to me, I want to know where I'll spend eternity. I want to have that secure in my life. I want to know and I believe. Right now, would you pray with us? Every voice, let's say it together. Say, Jesus, save me. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for every person in our church. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to leverage all the things that you have given us. Every skill, every opportunity, everything in this life, we can leverage it for eternity. Now, this week as we go out, Holy Spirit, direct us in how you want us to live our lives. That we would refocus our energy. That we would begin to see others as more important than ourselves. That we would see the harvest is ready. That we would live our lives, Father, to reach people. To see souls won for the kingdom. Change our hearts, Lord. Let us see every person as an interaction, as a person that you love. Not a number, not just a random person. And let us see them as a person that you love, that your heart is for. God, tomorrow as we come in interaction with people in the morning, let us see them as a person you love. Lord, as we meet the middle of the week on Wednesday, God, send us people to reach with the kingdom. On Friday, let us not see the week is over. Let us see it as new opportunities to reach others. And Lord, in our lives, as we set our eyes, let us fix them on Jesus. Let us keep our eyes on eternity, not on this earth that won't last anyway. Let us keep our eyes on what matters. Let us run this race, not growing weary, not turning to the left or to the right, but let us fix them on our Savior, who we eagerly await. That we know you are coming again. Until that day, we will say we wait in hope and anticipation. Until that day, we will say we wait in worship and anticipation. Until that day, we will say we will lift up our songs of hope. And we say thank you, Lord, that you are coming again, that you do love us. And that you have called us to set our eyes on eternity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, can we give God praise for what he's done today? church be blessed as you go this week look for someone this week that we can reach someone that we can show the love of christ treating others as more than ourselves be blessed as you go we'll see you next